leaving It's remains when we need to talk bad about my boss Take a break from work today is no total loss Welcome back to a belated version of the South Dakota Podcast and Blast, sponsored by Game Fishing Parks and anybody else who'd ever want to put some money down in and help us do this. But uh, I'm your host, Chris Hull. It's been a little bit, been a busy summer. And uh, summer's over, school's getting ready to rock. If your kids aren't in school, they probably should be. That means they're skipping school, so... Um, but, uh, hunting season's here. We've got, um, you know, some August management take goose. We've got, uh, I think, um, archery antelope has started. And with that, our phones start ringing for a few things. And one of them is maps and mapping. And where can I go? And where is the paper copy of the Atlas and all that stuff. So to help kind of Paved the way for this stuff. I've got uh, Jim Noble here with Game Fishing Parks. And, and for some reason, Jim, the first time I saw you, I called you Jimmy Jam and you gave me a weird look. And uh, it's just kind of stuck in my head. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best to just call you Jim or James or whatever. But uh, Jim Noble's here with me and he's kind of one of our map guys. Jim, give me your background. You're fairly new with the department, but where are you from? Family, where'd you go to school? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, Jim Noble, uh, been here in Pierre with the department for about 18 months now. I'm from Russellville, Arkansas, and I went to Arkansas Tech there in Russellville um, for Fish and Wildlife Science. Uh, during school and after school, um, I would do these Arctic remote waterfowl jobs uh, where I would go and stay in a tent and chase geese around Arctic Canada and Arctic Alaska. Um, doing what? Oh, hold on now, dude. I, I do this. You, you already threw me for a loop. So you're up in the Arctic chasing geese. Are you abandoning them? Are yeah, you... we, we would do some abandoned drive. We would flush geese off of nests and count eggs and measure eggs. And, you know, the whole time I'm doing this, I've got a GPS with me. I'm clocking where these nests are at in, in Arctica and in Alaska. And... We'd go back to the base camp, you know, in the evening after hiking and working all day. And, for example, for the can Canadian jobs, the guy I was working for would log all this GPS stuff into his computer through this program called uh, Garmin base, base Camp. And so that was really my first kind of entry into GIS was through those jobs, um, using a, a GIS Garmin Base Camp to manipulate this GPS data it's all very simple GIS, uh, basic stuff, but but that and then a couple classes at school, and that's really how I got into GIS and learned about it as, a, as kind of a discipline to help wildlife conservation. Right. Wow, we really dove into this. We started talking about your school, and then now all of a sudden we're in Arctic Canada. What Are you staying in tents for like just giant long amounts of time yeah, or what? like three months. For three months we stayed in a tent. We had no um, electricity. We had no running water. No, uh, the first year I did it, we actually had no heater. So uh, when we arrived in Southampton Island in, in Nunavut, Canada, we landed on skis on a bush plane. It was 100% snow cover. We got there before the geese arrived. And so the geese that were flushing is snow geese, Atlantic brant uh, in Canada, or black brant when I was in Alaska. And um, 
some other geese, but mainly it has to do with Brant and snow geese. Right. Um, so these are the snow geese breeding grounds we're sure. at. And, you know, here in South Dakota, we're, but those of us in the eastern part of the state are pretty familiar with snow geese right. um, as, they, as they move through the state. That's crazy. So... I, I'm nah, you got me you got me totally flummoxed I just want to sit and talk about that <laughs> yeah. forever um and I know you can too just by the look in your face but for people maybe not really completely up to date what's GIS stand for so GIS stands for geographic information systems and so you know what that is it's it's kind of complex but what it is is it's a it's a system of hardware and software to maintain data that's geographically um, significant, that has a right. point on the map. Right. And I, and I think, you know, I think of, of like GIS and stuff, just for just for the folks out there. It's taking all this really sciencey information that people like you and I wouldn't understand, and then and guys and, and gals in Jim's world, they put it on a map and you can look at it and go, oh, Right. Oh, that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's up there chasing geese, and he's locating where all these nests are, and here's where all the nests are on the on the map. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then from there, you can kind of extrapolate whatever information you want. I mean, it can be interesting, but you can also dig into it and whatever. So, um, it it is interesting stuff, and and um, it, it's it's stuff that like in in this is kind of an inside thing, but like the the thing you did with the they. Our, our folks will bring Jim a problem. Like, hey, we need a better way to sign up folks for the, the goose yeah. depredation. That's right. You know, the goose depredation thing. And Jim sits down and looks at it and goes, okay, how can I apply this to make sure it works for our in-house folks, right? And then Jim created like this kind of this table and this map saying, okay, this is where we're doing service and this is what you need to do. And it all fills in and, and it's like these tables. So it's, it's really fascinating and super useful for not only our folks, but for the outward-facing stuff, it can, like I said, take something that's maybe a little complex, and I use the term sciency because I know it bothers biologists. But sciency and, and and you know our customers, our folks, can look at it and go, oh, okay, you know, yeah, there's a ton of geese in Day County, and for some reason, you know, they're getting service, and how can we get them better service, and and where are we lacking in service, and why, you know, and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I totally agree with you. Solution, resolving solutions, or excuse me, resolving problems or challenges and creating solutions is, is yeah, what I do all the time. Right. So, yeah, you're kind of like, uh, I'm going to use the word dichotomy, but like you were out there doing, you know, living in the Arctic and, and, and fighting off polar bears and now you're sitting in the office building, building, uh, you know, these tools for, for our public and for our folks. It's, you're kind of like Clark Kent Superman, dude. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what I tell my son. Right. Um, what uh, before we really get into it, and we kind of already have got into it. What do you like to do? What drives you, like when you're not working? Yeah, so I got a you know a couple hobbies. I grew up in rural Arkansas on the Arkansas River Valley, and a lot of people know about Arkansas for duck hunting. Right. So I enjoy duck hunting. I duck hunted there all over the Arkansas River Valley. And then, you know, most people know Arkansas for duck hunting in eastern Arkansas, so flooded timber. Right. So I've traveled out there and did a lot of that as a kid. And, um, you know, growing up as a kid, living way out in the country, I didn't have cable, we didn't have satellite, but my folks bought a computer when I was like, I had to have been like eight, they bought this computer, and the internet came out when I was like 
11, somewhere in there. Right. So I had a computer right off the bat and living way out in the country, um, didn't have a whole lot to do, so I would take that computer apart, put it back together, and so uh, that's what I enjoy now. I like putting computers together and, right and doing stuff with computers. So, yeah, a mixture of hunting and computers. Right. Yeah, it, perfect then. Uh, but that's, you know, really that's why you're on the podcast today is, is to talk talk about this mapping stuff and, and how we can how we can take that information that we absolutely have to have the public have in their hands and what's the best ways to get it in their hands, right? And we wanted to take some time um, to kind of talk about some of these options that hunters and anglers have to use these maps and stuff um, and talk about what's good and what's bad about them. First of all, let's start with the old tried and true, something that everybody knows about is that South Dakota Public Lands Hunting Atlas. It's like the Bible for, you know, if you will. I have, I've been working with the department now, I think 15 years. I have every one of the ones that we put out since my first year. Um, you know, I think my dad's on the cover of one. I've got my dog on the cover of one of them. But, you know, it's those things that we save. And, and it, it may sound kind of nerdy, but I always look, especially like I'm from Northeast South Dakota, you know, and I look at the differences. And I have some older ones, too. I look at the differences, you know, the, the increase in public lands in some areas and the decrease in other areas. And then, you know, looking back and going, yeah, I used to hunt that place. Man, it was really good. And then you go by there and it's like, oh, yeah, somebody sold it or bought it or whatever. Excuse me. But that that map, I mean, I, I don't know if, if you could find it might not be that way anymore. But the importance of that map, that book probably can't be understated because, you know, 20 years ago, I, I would bet 40% of the vehicles in South Dakota had one of those in it in the fall, right? Wow. So what, do you have any, any role in that atlas? Do you help put together those maps? Do you help gather all that stuff? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I do have a role in there. I put together these maps for the Hunt Atlas. Um, so essentially what I do in here is, is, is um, set up the layout so it can get ready for print. Right. Um, you know, I don't have anything to do with signing on walk-in areas or anything like right. that. Um, but I do some quality control checks and, and essentially get it ready for print. Right. And that, that process, um, talk about that process on how you get that information. I mean, it, it's our guys and gals out on, the, out on the street, if you will, right? Our game wardens, our COs, yeah. getting that sign-up stuff. It's our, our private lands biologist folks going out and having those conversations and then Going to Mark Norton, his phone rings yep. off the hook from probably March to even now, still going on, right? Yep. With people saying, okay, I want to sign up for whether it's CREP in the James River Valley or, or, or walk-in or CRP or a, a, a CHAP, sorry. Yep. And then they get you those coordinates? Yeah, so they would get get Mark that those coordinates in the... the Landowner, they get them signed up, and then really, who enters it into the to the system to the database? You could think of it like that would be Mark Mark Norton, right? And so what? And this is a GIS. This is this. So here's an example of the way a GIS works. Mark accesses an app through Chrome, through Edge, whatever web browser he wants right. to use. You know, just like folks at home check their bank account through the website. Sure. Mark Mark logs into this website, and from that website, um, he's he signs folks up. He enters in a field that's been signed up to a walking area, um, and then immediately that field that Mark has entered 
shows up on the on the internet on our website on our um, Publicon Atlas that's on our right. maps website and 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 then it's prepared for our print hunt atlas sure. uh, which would come out you know during the summertime right yeah and that's you know that's the prime example of how GIS works I mean if I looked at it and was like it's the east west quarter of the whatever in Brule and I'm like I have you know unless I took a class Oh, but I can look at it and go, oh, look at that. It's auto-populated or whatever. It's populated that. It's filled it in. It's that section right over there, and it's in red. So, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, tried and true, but the, the, the con of that is the minute we print it, That's she's right. out of date, right? right. I, um, you know, we're adding, we're subtracting for, you know, for years, and I think, you know, we still have it on our website. Oh, by the way, here are the additions to the Public Hunting Atlas, and it's another yep. click. You have to go on our website. And, yep. People will be, and I know guys and gals who print those editions out, and they're jamming them in their atlas, you know, and it, it looks like a trapper keeper at the end of a semester, you know, it's just busting at the seams. So um, while that's that's a good one, and, and I, I highly encourage folks that have those, you know, with you in your vehicles at all times, so in case you, you run out of phone juice or whatever that you have that with you, it, it can be out of date and out of date quickly, and that's... That's uh, that's the con there. So let's talk about more in, into your bailiwick, if you will, into your wheelhouse. Um, talking about some of this GIS stuff, um, things like Onyx. Let's talk about Onyx because obviously, and I'm going to use this specifically to Onyx, but I'm also going to use it as a generic term for some of this pay-to-play stuff. I think most folks know about Onyx and other programs, and they've really stepped up that mapping game what's so great like not only as a hunter but you know in your brain in your professional brain what's so great about a program like onyx well onyx. you know one thing that i think is really attractive about onyx is it's a national program you know if you're a traveling hunter you want to come to south dakota from another state you know, Onyx is ready to go. You don't have to purchase a new app. You don't have to download a new app. Onyx is a national right. product. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people enjoy traveling. They get an elk tag in Wyoming. They travel to Wyoming. Um, you know, folks from, like I said, folks from Texas travel here. Right. Um, so that's pretty attractive. Um, there's some other, other capabilities. So Onyx, you know, essentially reaches out and gathers a bunch of data they don't really make any data. They just gather information from other agencies. And so it's a nice um, app that shows all this different information like land ownership, um, you know, federal lands that you could hunt on, all this different type of information. And all that map stuff you can download. You can download it on your phone. You can put notes on there, you know, where your good right. spots at. Um, and all this stuff is is saved, and, and you know, really, it's it's just a high class app. You could say the creme de la creme of right. the hunting apps that have to do with maps and stuff. I, I think one of the things, and and I just started using Onyx about ah, maybe two years ago. Um, one of the really cool things is you know those sharing capabilities, like you know, I'll just. I was trying to find a hunting blind for my kid one day and, and I was on another, you know, one of my friend's pieces of ground and he just sent me the pin, right? Mm. And it was like, oh, he wants to share the pin with you. 
And not only was it the pin, it was, okay, you should park here, and here's the trail you need to walk on to not kick any of the deer out of the blind, or, you know, out of the fields. Yeah. Like, God, that's amazing. Like, just blew my mind at 3 o'clock in the morning as I'm driving west across South Dakota, you know, looking at it. So then I give it to my 10-year-old, 12-year-old daughter. She's looking at it going, yep. And then all of a sudden she's copying it and doing all this stuff and, like, highlighting it. And totally saved the hunt. You know, I would have... You know, if he would have just sent me a pin or told me, well, yeah, you got to go find this, I would have walked right through where I wasn't supposed to walk through. Oh, would have sure. ruined a hunt. Probably would have ruined that that chunk of ground for two weeks with my stinky butt walking through there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that to me, is one of the, you know, the amazing things. And then the landowner thing just blows me away, too. I mean, I can't imagine the work, just the, the hours that just of calling folks and trying to get that yeah. stuff because... I, we talked to, and we'll get into this a little bit later, like way back when we talked to Lawrence and talked to them about some of this mapping technology and, and just the efforts, because they were trying to do what Onyx did and just the different formats of what each county in every state has mm-hmm. as far as landowners and the rules, yes, we can share it to you now, but you can't do this with it and you can't do I mean, I can't imagine the, the string of people and lawyers and stuff it just took to, to encompass and amass all this information. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, there's, you know, what is there, 66 counties in South Dakota, and then you multiply that by all the states in the country. Right. Um, there's a lot of different organizations and county governments that they got to talk to. Right. And, and cooperate with and um, yeah I can imagine it's it's probably a logistical challenge wow. great challenge you know and it is it, it, and they updated quite a bit because obviously you know you and I own a chunk of ground we can sell it tomorrow that's right and yeah. again just like our, our paper app or our paper uh, book now it's outdated but man they keep they keep on top of that stuff and it's it's a beast yeah it has to be a beast yeah Obviously, you know, so that's that's really cool. And, and there are so many features in Onyx. When when I decided, or when we decided we were going to sit down and talk, I started looking through it, and I went, we could just do an hour. We could get the guy from Onyx on the phone. I've, I've had him on the podcast before, and we could do an hour on just features and get lost in there. But, you know, so it is good. It, you can do all those things. Obviously, downfall is... Yeah, so the, you know... Quote the, unquote downfall. The it's a, you know it's kind of a challenge. It's its greatest aspect and its downfall in the same thing. So that they have all this data, all from these different entities. Sometimes it's just not up to date. It's just the right. the way it is. It's just a challenge to keep all that stuff up to date. You know, it might be that their um, update schedule is set differently than your hunt schedule. Right. Um, you know, they could be waiting on an update from another party, from a third party. Right. It's the same as, as Google Maps. You know, sure. if it ever takes you down a road that you that <laughs> is not a road. It isn't there. Right? Yeah, which happens in South Dakota right. with Google Maps. That same problem, um, you know, applies to Onyx because it's just a huge amount of information that, right. they, that you have at your fingertips there. Right. And, yeah, that that's a good point. And I didn't think of that, but I'm just bragging about it. But um they do do a good job but yeah there's going to be times where you know it's it's only as good as its last information update the other thing is it's it's a pay-to-play thing right i mean it's yeah it's not free um you know there are free options out there and we're going to talk about them but onyx um it's a pay-to-play 
um, service. And we had them on, I think it was last year. And they're doing, they're working with us. They, they actually approached us and said, you know, as a thank you to your hunters. And, and we started it with, with like first time hunters, right? If you've never had a small game license in South Dakota, here's 20% off of Onyx. Well, that caught wind, and all our other hunters were like, hey, what about us? So Onyx yeah. was like, absolutely, this is what we were hoping was going to happen. You know, we're, we're going to let you have 20% off your hunt memberships. So they've ex- actually extended that this year as kind of a, another thank you. Um, we partnered with Onyx. Um, so you can get out there, recreate responsibly, um, you know, and for, for the next, I don't know, a couple months for sure, you can save 20% on Onyx hunt memberships by using the code HUNTSD at checkout. So if you just go in your app app store, ONX, it'll come up. You can go check it out. I think there's even a free trial and then you can then you could buy it. But there's 20% off if you use that code. Plus they donate a portion of every purchase back to support our conservation. So that's kind of cool too. Um, all right, let's talk about this next one. It's probably one that I'm most excited about but didn't know anything about it at all until you know, maybe the last couple of weeks, and that's a, a program called Field Maps. What do you know about that, Jim? So, yeah, Field Maps is a, it's, it's a map app that, you know, anybody can download on their phone, and you can use it to collect information. And so, you know, the way we use it inside the department here is, is for inventory assets, if we're putting out traps for wildlife damage management, we can document those traps with Field Maps. Um, and you know, enter in appropriate information, the date that it was taken, and whatever with with field maps. Um, but in, but in this application that we're going to talk about, it's solely we're using it to show folks the public hunt atlas. So folks aren't you know they're not having to log in, they're not having to create an account. Right. They just skip the login and go to the free maps. And we're not the only. Um, conservation agency doing this with the free maps on field maps. The National Park Service has some decent maps of the hills, has some maps of the Grand Tetons. Um, There are some other agencies out there that are using this app as a platform to push out maps. Right. And it's downloadable, right? Yeah, it's downloadable. You can go to your um, Apple App Store. You can go to the Google Play Store. I even saw it on the Samsung App Store on my phone. Yeah, and I, and I think the one thing you just brought up and it and didn't even occur to me really is did get a lot of complaints when when on our map you know I gotta I gotta sign in and all this stuff and it's like we're out in the middle of nowhere you're making us do all this stuff and even if I've got it downloaded I still sometimes have to sign in and people were like dude that's one extra step yeah so instead of reinventing the wheel right there's this great app out there that we use internally for. Like you said, putting yeah. out traps, whatever we've got going on. Here's the fence that you've got to put up in the next three days for yeah. grazing or whatever it is. Already doing it. Already know it kicks butt. Everybody else is using it. Let's make it available. And it's field apps. If you if you type in field field maps, right? Field yeah, maps. Yeah, field maps. That's right. Field the field map app. Ugh. But yeah. uh, it's a blue icon with a little globe, a little globe inside the, the hexagonal icon. Right. It's the first one that pops up. Right, and we're going to be doing some uh, tutorial videos on how to download that and play with it too uh, coming up 
I just got to figure out how to do that with my phone. But uh, but that one's cool. And and that's also, once you get that downloaded, you can do similar stuff, right? You can yeah. customize it and say, here's the trail I want to walk on, and here's where I put my tree stand or wherever, right? That's right, yeah. So, you know, similar to Onyx, you're able to drop a marker. You can put notes on that marker. You can put a label on that marker. You're able to draw a line. So if you want to mark out the trail that you right. need to follow, like, like in the story you told earlier. Right. Um, you can draw that line. You can add notes to the line, and and everything's downloadable. Like Chris was saying, um, we've got it broken out into East River, West River, oh, yeah. and the hills. Um, a, and those file sizes are kind of large. These maps look sharp. They got a lot of data in them. Like our our they've got our um, hunt units in there. Uh, so you can select any hunt unit. You know. AMT's coming up. If you want to go shoot some geese in east, eastern South Dakota, you can put in the AMT hunt unit there, and you can see all the public public land and federal land, the private access land, right. all there within the map. Um, additionally, because those East River and West River and Hills maps, the three main maps are so large, we've also broken the state up into smaller chunks. You know, if your phone's getting full, photos and videos, right. you don't want to deal with... <laughs> Deleting things, clouding things, anything like that. You can. We have some smaller options for you. Right, and yeah, that and that's that's kind of cool too. Because for me, you know, lately, kids and all that stuff. I hunt really fairly close to Pier, and then I go back up to Northeast South Dakota and hunt. You know, a fairly small area there. So I can actually, and I do have them. Just those two units downloaded right now, and it doesn't take. I mean, they're fairly large, but they're much smaller than you know, what some of our maps have been in the past. Yeah. Or if you're going out to the hills and you're going to spend two weeks, you know, uh, Black Hills deer hunting or you're elk hunting, man, you put that thing in there, get everything else off there. Um, it's it's slick. And I, I would say for sure that anybody who wants, you know, is planning on going out and hunting maybe some new areas um, or even if you're just, you know, you're going to hunt, get this sucker in your phone now and start playing with it because there are a lot more functions in there even as I was playing with it this weekend and we're driving down the road and I'm just kind of goofing around with it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, there's this capability and stuff. So go out and fart around with it and, and you know, get it on your phone and start playing with it. It is, it's, it's really, really slick. So what's, what do we got for, you know, maybe some cons on field maps, Jim? So, yeah, some cons right now. Um, you can't download the entire state. So if you, wanna, if you happen to want to download the entire state onto a map, it would just be way too large. You'd have a map that's like 20 gigs in size, right. and it's too large for most folks. Um, too, too large for me, you know. So it, it's also, you know, on top of that, it's not a national product. It's a product that we're showing for here for our South Dakota hunters, and those folks traveling here to South Dakota, they're able to use it. Um, right. Other downfalls, there's no landowner information right. in there. So we, we don't have any landowner information. Um, but the, the perks of it, like we said, it's free. You're able to make notes and drop the lines in there. And then additionally, it's straight to our South Dakota data. So our South Dakota maps, it's live. It, it's up to date. You download, let's say you download a map. It's on your phone. Every Monday, it's going to update. So your phone's never going to get out of, out right. of date. Um, you know, it might be for a couple of days, but every Monday it's going to be up to right. date. Yeah, and that's that's a little more important than a guy thinks. But that, yeah, that's a cool feature too. So, um, 
let's talk about some of our maps are continuing. Folks can still find our online maps, our Esri maps too, yeah, right? They go to our right. website. Those are still there. They're just not downloadable. That's right, yeah. So it's the same information. It looks the same. We didn't change any colors of the school and public lands or anything like that. Right. So it should be all very familiar to you. Yeah. And if you're, you know, that's probably more for you're getting ready to hunt and you're sitting at home and you want to do some homework and you're on your laptop or you're on your home computer or yep. whatever, your, even your iPad or whatever, and you, you can go to those, you know, gfp.sd.gov, go to our maps, they're all there, you know, and you can zoom in and kind of make your plan and all that stuff. And that, that stuff really is, I mean, our, our GIS team for a long time has kind of been a trailblazer. They might not have always been out front, but they were in that lead pack kind of pushing the edge on, on stuff that, that, that we're sharing with the public. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with our relationship with Esri, but it also has, yeah. we're hiring, you know, kick butt individuals like you and, and, Thanks. and kind of pushing that, pushing that envelope, but folks can still find those, those maps. And, and, you know, the, the downfall there is you just can't download them. Yep. That's right. And, you know, another thing is, is, <clears throat> You know, if you're using the data on your phone, you want to look at those maps on our website on your phone, you know, you might you might not have service. You might right. have poor service. Imagine uh, that in yeah. South Dakota. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yet another reason for um, options like Onyx or the field maps that we're talking about to go to go on your phone. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're still doing, and this is where it kind of all started, is, is this GPS downloads, like the program that we have. Um, is kind of where it all started. I was sitting, I used to have a, and I'm pointing, this is thrilling podcasting, but I'm pointing for Jim's sake. I used to have a, a cube right across from the bathrooms. Okay. And, yeah. and our boss was, was Jeff Vonk and Vonk was like nine feet tall. He's like six, 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 seven, great big dude. And one day I'm in, you know, working, I'm writing, trying to decipher biologies and English. And he comes in and he sets down, it's probably about Oh, it was maybe a little earlier than this, but it couldn't have been much earlier than this. And he sets down a a, a, a public hunting atlas, and I look up, you know, and I'm like, oh my god! And then he puts his his Lawrence GPS mm. on my desk, and he goes, figure out how to get that the atlas into this. And I looked up at him, and I'm like, boss, I'm an English major, I got no idea. <laughs> and he goes, you know, all the people that you need to know to get this done. So get it done. And he used to do, when he'd get mad, he'd do this tomahawk chop thing that we used to call like the Atlanta Braves fans do, but he'd do it on your desk. And I know it's making for bad audio there, but he would do that on your desk. So he was kind of doing it on my desk and he was smiling. So I went to Chris Marsh, who was a GIS guy at the time, a good friend of mine. And then our we had a graphic designer, Adam Oswald, who was also, he could design in like good web designer. And that's what he does now, but he's still a wildlife artist. And I just sat down and I'm kind of like sweating and, and like, okay, the boss man wants this. What do we have to do, you know, to get it into that? <clears throat> and Marsh says, okay, we got to do ABC, but we got to get the proprietary stuff from, you know, let's try Garmin, Lawrence, and what was the other yeah, one? Yeah, maybe Magellan. Yes, it was Magellan. Yeah. So we're like, okay. And I'm like, all right, so I used some of my contacts over at Tourism, and I found the right people to call, right? And we got the person at Lawrence, like a vice president Lawrence, and, you know, you could tell he's just like, oh, God, and about half bored. And we're like, what do we need to do to get A, B, C, and D? And he goes, well, you know, first, you'd have to have all your data 
in a format where you could put it on there. And I can't even remember what he used. And Marsh goes, well, you already have that. And the guy's attitude just changed like that. He's like, really? Yes. You're kidding me. Nope. And Marsh started speaking the lingo, and I sat back. And, and within two days, the vice president of Lawrence was up here from Kansas meeting with us going, we're going to get this done. Wow. And it's, I mean, within two weeks, we had our first beta testing. And there was some glitches, but it was working, right? And he's just like, I can't believe you guys had this information already. And I, I for the life of me, I can't remember what sort of format it yeah. was supposed to be in. You would know and just roll your eyes because I'm sure it's something super simple. But he goes, no other state. He goes, we've been after Kansas to do this for years. Well, we do it for our folks. So, you know. Yeah. And then we never really could get quite Magellan working, kind of, sort of. And then... When we got to Garmin, we got some initial pushback, but then I finally we finally got in with the right folks, and then Garmin came up and did the same thing. They were sitting with us, and we had to do some different stuff with Garmin, and then that's when Garmin was coming out with like the Montana and the Oregon, where they had mm. the big screen, and it was color, yep. and that's why they named the one the Dakota, because we'd been working with them to get these maps oh, that's great. to do it in, right? So that's, it's pretty cool, like... I didn't really do any of the work. I just pushed the right buttons at the right time. So it was kind of one of these. And when we presented to the commission, I remember like uh, Vonk going, okay, you know, Marsh did this and, and Oswald made it pretty. And we're really not sure what Hull did, but I think he had a, an integral role, but he's just riding on their coattails, right? So yeah, there's no limelight. The coordinator. <laughs> right. Yeah. The producer, right? What does the producer do? They produce, right? But the GPS downloads are still available, right, on our, on our website? Yep, and they're still available. Um, you know, like you're saying, Chris Marsh trailblazed this, this workflow for making the GBX files that go in Garmin's and for making all these other files for different um, GPS's. And, it, and we're still going to produce those, you know, for a while. Right. You know, I think that the, the you know, my personal Jim Noble opinion is that the, these handheld GPS's are on their way out. Um, probably, you know, Magellan has already gone out of business. Right. Um, we're seeing less and less of these and more and more cell phone type stuff. Right. Cell phone's got a computer chip in there. It's just as powerful a processor as, as your handheld right. GPS. You know, I got a Garmin 62S at my home and I used that, you know, previously I used that for hunting, but, but I don't anymore. Right. Um, so, but you know, but it, they're not done yet and folks still have have GPSs um, and folks are still using them and so we're, we're still going to be putting that out as an option for your toolbox yeah uh, and I think you know I think even some of those companies would probably agree with you if you look at Garmin and what they've gone into more of you know some of the like the live scope fishing stuff and I mean mm -hmm. you know dog collars and stuff that 20 years ago you would have said Garmin Garmin's got what you know you'd have never thought that yeah. business model was going that way the right big watches right now. um <clears throat> But yeah, and that's a good point. And there are still a lot of a lot of folks, and, and not even old school folks, but people who don't necessarily want to take their phone along, right? They've they've got a they've got a GPS, and then they've got like an emergency signal beacon thing, and their yep. phones are nowhere near, you know. Um, so I think that's pretty pretty cool that we still do that, and that kind of ties back to you know where we started. And the funny thing is, when we did that gym the first year, the downloads were on a jump drive. And we had to like special order these jump drives because the file was like 512 
Okay. And we couldn't find jump drives big enough, like external hard drive, like just a little plug-in yeah, jump. Plug-in. And that's how long ago it was, dude, oh, that man. like the 512. That's so we awesome. had to get like a one gig one so it would hold it all, right? Yeah. And just, and we got them, they were, they were um, camouflage and we gave them away at the fair and stuff. And people were just like, what is this? They're like, well, this is, you know, if you got a GPS and it, you plugged it into your computer, then you plugged your computer in, you know, downloaded yeah. that, and you plugged your GPS into the computer. And, yeah, that's really yeah. cool. So I kind of forgot about that. But it, it's, it's a cool program. It's, it's kind of where we've been and where, where we've come from, for sure. So it's cool that we're still doing it. And, you know, obviously there's still Google Earth. I mean, yep. right, that's I, – I don't know anybody who doesn't, you know – yeah. Google Earth is just, that's a go-to on your phone right it's, away. It's a go-to. So we make a KML file that, that goes into Google Earth. You know, a lot, of, a lot of folks use Google Earth in their professional lives. So, like, you know, if somebody is working on a street crew, fixing streets across the state, a hunter does that for a living, they're probably already familiar with Google Earth. Right. Or if, they were, if they're a lineman or, you know, any of these things where you got to travel around... You need to look at a map. You need to think about yep. it. You need to drop points. You know, a lot of a lot of businesses are using Google Earth, and so folks are familiar with this. So we make the KML file. Right. And they can find that on our website too. Yeah, that's true. Same same spot where the Garmin maps are. Same link on our website. Yeah. Just it, just search maps on uh, gfp.sd.gov. Hit the little uh, little uh, search button and. Type in maps; it'll all come up. They're all right there. So, and that's cool. I mean, it is. You know, if you don't use it, it can be a little bit. The learning curve can be a little bit if you aren't familiar with it. Would be a downfall there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And there's a lot of options. It's right. kind of easy to get lost. Right. The yeah. There's lots of rabbit holes, but if you figure them out, it's cool. I mean, it is cool. There's a lot of cool things you can do. Right. It's a cool tool. So, awesome. Well, I mean, really, there's there's plenty of options out there. What what am I missing, Jim? What else? Yeah. Uh. Looks that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, the the field maps is cool. You know, one thing that I like about it is that you know this is a product that the software company that makes this is called Esri, and Esri is making field maps for for businesses and industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though we're using it in this free uh, public hunting application, you know the the product is gonna. The, the field maps is going to be improved on by this company because right. they're you know they're selling it to right. to electricity companies to utility companies right. to lots of different companies so you know I'm excited to see where the future goes with this field maps with um, other applications with maps uh, and folks using them with their computer with their web browser and folks using them with their cell phones yeah and I think you know. We work with Esri a lot. I mean, you work with them a ton, and, yep. and they don't sit still. I know. I know that. Like, there are times where our folks have been mid-project, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we're going to have to shift because we didn't realize that there's even this coming out, and it's that yep. much better, right? So right. you kind of got to go backtrack a little bit. So they move in a hurry. So I think it will be super exciting and super cool to see where it goes and how much better it can be. Um, it's only kind of like my imagination is good, but you know, it's hard to say where they can go. So that's cool stuff. So get on, get get field maps. All those other options are still there. Um, you know, if you want to pay, there's Onyx. There's other server, or, you know, services like that out there. Onyx has given us twenty percent uh, with Hunt SD at your checkout if you go to Onyx. 
And that one's cool. There's other services out there too, but you also still have those op- options. You know, come see me at the fair, state fair. Come and pick up a come and pick up a uh, you know one of the Bibles, one of the, the the paper public atlases, and check out all the other stuff too. Um, if you have any questions and stuff, reach out and get a hold of us. Where do you think, in your brain or in your imagination, how, you know, it's only getting bigger. Your your role and and your your people with you, your role in this department and in this kind of science is only getting bigger. What more can happen? I mean, what? Yeah. So, no, that's a big question. Um, one thing that's a constant with the GIS folks is we're constantly um, increasing efficiency and kind of cutting the fat in right. the department. So, you know, and, and I really think that's important with state government and with our department is making sure things are organized, things are um, professional and streamlined to increase efficiency. Um, and, and, you know, I would think our public would agree with that, that that's an important thing. Right. And so the GIS team, you know, it's not just me. We've got a lot of really, really intelligent and hardworking folks. We've got Samantha Nichols and Jan Weidler. And um, our team is continually pushing the limits on organization and streamlining processes and so you know i find a lot of satisfaction in that right and i i could you know how that's gonna become better and better um you know i don't know the details of that but that type of stuff is just gonna continue to grow and i i think for me on my from what it's worth from my end is the the public use of it right and and how we can make complex sets of information more user friendly, whether it's in yeah. tables and it's you know, it, it's whether it's plotted out on a map or whether it's you know just kind of relayed that information that's super complex that when I get put on my desk and go, come on you guys, you know I have no idea, but if I get something from your crew and I can look at it and go, oh okay, yeah, no, I got that right. <clears throat> whether it's mapping stuff or you know even relaying. You know, some sort of, of study that we had going on or a project, you know, like a, a you know, snow goose study yeah. or something like that, right? And, Absolutely. And, well, what does all this mean? Oh, these were all harvested here and, you know, 20 years ago they were harvested over here. And so why is the migration moving or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that's that's the, the relaying of our information in usable ways mm-hmm. is obviously the the you know, really exciting part for me because the more we can make stuff more understandable and more digestible, um, you know, it's easier to build like coalitions with folks that understand it and go, no, you're wrong. This is how it works. This is what the information says. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Increasing the, um, the quickness at which we discern information and the ease at which we discern information. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent. Cool. Well, thanks for your time, dude. Uh, one last question. Yep. Coolest thing or something that pops out in your brain when you're sitting in a tent in the Arctic for months at a time? Like, yeah. you ever have, like, a, like whoa, holy crap, that was close call? Or do you <laughs> yeah. see something really cool? Or, like, yeah. what sticks out in your brain when you're... Well, you know, I had a, a two-hour event with a polar bear uh, the first year that I could go in, into talking with you guys about. But pretty much this polar bear was following the guy I was work, so, working with. And, you know, we're not to make a long story short, you know, we got a Remington 870 with us. We're armed, um, just the two of us, no roads, no airplanes, no nothing, like 100% wilderness above the tree line, super flat. 
Um, polar bear essentially just follows us for about two hours until we oh. finally lose its trail. The closest it got to us was about 150 meters, which... Um, plenty close. Plenty close. Polar you know, <laughs> a polar bear is faster than, right. than Usain, Usain Bolt. You right. know what I mean? So uh, so that was awfully interesting playing chess and, and trying to maneuver around that polar bear. And, you know, the thing that is on our minds the whole time is like, we don't want to have to shoot this polar bear, you know, because right. it would derail the whole study. It would be a real... Real pain in the butt. Right. You know? So, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool story. But no, laying in my tent, sleeping in my tent, I can tell you, especially in the beginning of the season, that super warm down sleeping bag is super comfortable. Right. <laughs> and it's the only time you get warm. <laughs> cool. Well, Jim, thanks for your time. Interesting stuff. Anybody has any questions about maps or mapping or anything like that, you know, give us a holler. Um, you can find us easily enough and, and we're glad to talk to the public. But thanks for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. That was my man, Jimmy Jam Noble, uh, from Arkansas, and now living in Pierre, talking about some maps and, and uh, what he does, and it's kind of some important stuff, but cool stuff. Hope you liked it. Um, it's uh, school's in, like I said, you know, and in, in, in fall is almost here, but um, get out, get outside. Now's the time. Um, one of the reasons we live here, right, if you're an angler or you're a, or a hunter, you know, we've got August management take, goose hunting uh, in the eastern, geez, third or better of South Dakota. Um, dove hunting starts um, September 1. Got archery antelope and mentored archery antelope going on right now. Um, so if you want to do a trip out west, go wander around and check out the antelope herd. Archery deer starting, of course, too soon. Um, and a couple other cool things. The fair, South Dakota State Fair starting the big one. Uh, starting here in the first part of September, um, swing by the GFP booth. If you stump any of us, we don't get paid for the day, so come up with some good questions. I'll be there, and along with a bunch of our wildlife and fisheries and parks folks and communications folks. Uh, we'll be there with our fish, and we, we were there and painted and spiffed up the booth some and got some big plans for that for the next couple of years, too. And the Buffalo Roundup's coming up in a few weeks, kind of mid-end of September uh, in Custer State Park. I was talking to some, some people that I know fairly well, and, and you know, they're of the age where, oh, that's too, you know, that's touristy, and it, that's, um, you know, I don't want to go out there and play tourist. But I will say that I've got to do a lot of cool things in this state, events, and go to places and meet people um, while the Buffalo Roundup is a big event and a big draw for tourists. It's one of those things that if you get the chance to go to it and see it, it's certainly worth it. It's really cool. It's one of those one-of-a-kind kind of things that that most places don't have, and we're lucky enough to have it. So uh, get out, and, and you got to get there early, and it's a long day, but make a weekend of it. You know, the Roundup's on a Friday, and, and kind of 
tourist season in the hills is winding down, but most things are still open and the weather's great and the, and usually the leaves are turning and the fishing is good and um so it's really cool way to kind of you could build a vacation around it for sure with the the art festival and and all the other things that kind of the communities around there have going on during the Buffalo Roundup. But the Roundup is a cool one. If you get the chance or even if you're thinking about it, go for it. Go do it. Um, I'm going to be there again this year with South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I believe. We were talking about it today anyway. Hoping that we can get that done so I can go and do kind of some commentary and play-by-play for the Roundup. And uh, it's a ton of fun. It is a cool, cool event um, to watch that many cowboys, cowgirls, um, vehicles pushing, you know, 1,500 buffalo up the hill and, and down the hill and around and into the gates and stuff. It, it's, I can't speak enough of it. It's a cool event. So if you get the chance, um, go do that. But mainly get outside, you know, school's back in and I know sports are cranking up and, and even my family, we're, we're chasing, chasing our daughter and a couple different sports and doing that stuff. But take the time to, you know, do some fall fishing, um, get out and spend an evening sitting on a bucket, uh, shooting at doves. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, maybe you're in archery hunting and, and go out and sit in the tree stand and, and watch the world go by, if nothing else. But get outside and get those things done. So, until next time, thanks for listening. Uh, Chris Hall, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks Podcast and Blast. Thanks a bunch. I've been down blind just best by without seeing how to me. Just best by without seeing by to me Yeah.